Uh, all right. Um, so, yeah, Paul looks back on his old life, his ethnicity, his circumcision, his being an Israelite, um, Hebrew. That's going to count uh, for nothing. Uh, his devotion, his zeal, his even willingness to persecute the church. Him seeing his, himself as blameless, sees that as counting for nothing. Just a side note there, Paul, um, sometimes we get this view, and I think we're getting it from Martin Luther, that all Jews walked around with a guilt complex, never could keep the law good enough, they just needed to get out from under this, this great burden of always being guilty under the law. That's not the, what Paul reflects here. He says, I was blameless under the law. Uh, so uh, he's not saying he's sinless, but it did seem like he feels a certain kind of comfort with where he was with regard to the law. Uh, so that uh, part of what Jesus accomplishes does deal with our guilt. Uh, but we might need to be careful not to mischaracterize uh, the Jewish faith as Luther did as, a, as just this really kind of guilty, burdensome kind of faith. The same God of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament. They experience mercy and grace in that covenant. We experience a greater measure of mercy and grace. But we can't contrast grace and mercy now with nothing but guilt then. Uh, we should see some continuity. And uh, Paul can reflect that. I was, it seems like he's saying things were okay for me until, as we're going to read, Christ took hold of him and kind of shook his world around. Uh, and uh, as he recalls all that, uh, it, it picks up this theme that we've seen throughout Philippians is that he's got a new way of looking at things. Uh, this language, the Greek is phreneo. He's got a new mindset. He looks back at what would be important, his birth and his actions, two major kind of status markers in the ancient world, and he says, it's garbage. Uh, he uses a pretty strong Greek word here. Uh, you can ask Lee Camp what it means, uh, or I'll pause this and uh, say, but it's, it's very harsh language. It probably would have caught the Philippians a little off guard when he says, all that, scubala, uh, is, the, is the Greek word there. And they'd have been like, what, what? You know, this is where the teenagers would have put their cell phone down and said, did he say, all right. I am going to tweet that. Um, so it, it would have been a shocking thing. And, and I think Paul uses shocking language because he wants them to see. This old perspective that I have is so turned upside down now. What, what, was, well, what I was so proud of, what I boasted in, is now something that, uh, because of Christ, uh, it has uh, no value to me anymore. So, picking up in verse 12... Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Uh, Christians live in a, a now and not yet kind of limbo. Christ has taken hold of us. We experience a sense of freedom and power through Christ, but we're not yet there yet. We're in limbo. Uh, there is uh, something that we're experiencing already, but uh, we're not fully there yet. So he's not uh, saying, you know, things are bad, you can't do anything about it. Christ's power is present in you. But, and I think we're going to pick this, or see um, maybe hints of this, there might be a faction in the church that's saying, hey, look, we've arrived. We're there. We've got it all figured out. We're mature. We're, we've been perfected because of Christ. And Paul's uh, going to be speaking, I think, to them and saying, no, no, you're, you're not there yet. We're all still works in progress. We live in now and not yet time. Uh, when he says he hasn't already obtained this, uh, the Greek doesn't say what the this is. 
what has he not reached? So some of your translations might say, I haven't been made perfect yet, um, or I haven't arrived at my goal. I think the language of goal fits here because we get race imagery as he's going to strive ahead and aim for the prize and reach out for it. So he hasn't achieved that yet. Two goals in Philippians and the context, resurrection, clearly he's not resurrected, but also conformity to Christ. He's not yet fully conformed to Christ. But what we see is that this is his goal. What is Paul's life about? It's about being Christ, being conformed into the image of Christ. Um, What was behind? There's an old value system. What's ahead? The goal is to be conformed to Christ. So verse 12, I press on to take hold of it, and Christ took hold of me. Same language here. Uh, And we see what we've seen back in chapter 2. There's a partnership. Christ initiates. He takes hold of us. And then we respond by trying to take hold of that uh, for which he's taken hold of us. Uh, So we're working together. Christ does something, and we respond. Back in chapter 2, verse 12, we are to work, work out our salvation, but it is God who works in us and who gives us the will to want to work. So God initiates, he works in us, he shapes us, but there is this expectation that, that we do respond. Uh, maybe this is picking up on what Hilton said. Uh, we, because of what he's done, we want to do something uh, in response. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. Forgetting that old, as we've said, stretching out for something new. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So uh, that prize is being united with Christ, that knowing Christ that Hilton talked about. Um, Man, it's hard. It's hard to have that focus. It's hard not to get distracted. Um, when you have family and job. That, that, that phrase, forgetting the past, I, I think that's very difficult for us. I think if you've had a, a single event or something, mm-hmm. truly a regret, embarrassed. Or, uh, I was in a group setting this week where a person related that he had done something in a setting as a young man. Mm-hmm. He's had a tough time forgiving himself. It's yeah. still awesome. And uh, Paul could have really been paralyzed by the atrocious things he had done persecuting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has apparently somehow come to grips with it enough through the gift of salvation, yeah. his encounter with Jesus, that he's not letting, he's not letting paralyzed tonight, and I, but I think we've all encountered people that, in our own lives, there's probably something nagging us back there, well, I wish I, had, I wish I hadn't pushed in the line at yeah. the time that, that the group fell on and hurt the little kid's leg. Yeah. So, Paul points to, back in 3, 4 through 6, both his birth and his accomplishments, or what he's done, his works. And that section, he's saying, look, this could have been good. You can look at that and think these are credits or gains. But in Christ, that doesn't matter. But there's the reverse side of that. You can also say, look, I've got nothing to claim in my birth status. And I haven't done anything, or my past is really a bad mark against me. But whether it's things that seem good or things that seem bad in Christ, that's forgotten. It's new. Who you are is changed 
Uh, and then the language here in verse 14, in Christ. Paul does a lot with a little preposition. Uh, in Christ. In Christ is our new, uh, where we find status and, and location. We don't look to um, our birth. How do I know my importance? Well, my family or my connection or my nationality or whatever it is. No. No. That doesn't matter whether it seemed good or bad. Maybe it's, it's what I've done with my life, with my career. Uh, no. Maybe it's my sins, my past. No. In Christ, that is your new, your new source of status, uh, your, new, um, your new value system, your new way of seeing yourself and others. And in that newness, then, um, you, you have also a new goal, which is knowing Christ more and more. Yeah. Nobody's in recovery because they just want to be in there. Something's happened or something's caused them to be there. And there's just the ninth step promises there, especially in AA and things like, we're not going to regret the past or wish to close the door on. But because of the program, which is a spiritual program, we'll come to understand serenity and no peace from it. And so you don't really close the door and forget about what happened, but you change that lens through which you look at it. And I think that's what Paul's saying here, like, look, I did some terrible stuff, but because of this, I'm, I'm seeing it in a different way that it had to happen to get me here. And so I think it's less about a, a, a just forgetting and moving on, and there's a real, like, turning point here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's not forgotten, but it, you look at it, and this is the whole thing, through a new lens. There's a new perspective on it. It doesn't define you. Um, uh, it might define you as far as your worth, your status. Um, uh, but it might be something that you can allow to shape you for the good through Christ. one of words verse deals with both forgetting where maybe what has scarred your life that. Mm-hmm. And it also deals with, okay, maybe you have really bought into God's forgiveness of that, but now you're dealing with what you've accomplished. Yeah. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter that you went to Haiti last year and you, there's a continual upward calling in Christ. Mm-hmm. You have to even forget what you thought that you've done that was great. Yeah. You know, and that's why you got a guy like Paul who's always got some new challenge, you know, he's new God, he's in mm-hmm. jail, or, you know, and that's more challenging to me currently, is the idea, mm-hmm. this is not, um, that I might pursue the prize of the plateau mm-hmm. of reaching Christ Jesus, it's an upward calling of Christ Jesus, like, okay, there are new challenges, new, how that's constantly changing and working out, Yeah. so it's, you've got both in one sentence, dealing with the past, forgetting it, Yeah. be both from the bad side and from the good side. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love reading uh, scripture closely because you realize it's just so, so rich. It continues to speak. Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I think Paul's speaking tongue-in-cheek here uh, because when he says in verse 12, I haven't already been made perfect, he uses the language of telos. And now in verse 15 he says, all of us who are telos, I haven't been made telos, we who are telos now should think this way. You hear that's kind of strange? I think Paul, what he's doing here is he's speaking to a group of people who think, 
we're mature. We've got it together. So Paul said in verse 12, we're not there yet. And verse 15 is saying, those of us who think we're mature, we should realize that, that part of our maturity is about embracing uh, this view of things. This view of things where we forget our past, that kind of status-seeking thing, and find our, our value system and our status in Christ. This is the truly mature way to act. Um, and if you don't think so, as Paul says, God will show you, there is, there is a right way to think as a Christian. We like... Um, uh, tolerance is a big deal, right? So that's a, that's a, like a, the virtue of our present culture. Uh, and I think tolerance is uh, right in its right place. But there is a sense in which um, there are right ways and wrong ways. And for Paul, there is a right way to think as a Christian. And that right way is the pattern of Christ. It's not, hey, as long as you say something about Jesus' resurrection, it doesn't matter how you think. Paul says, look, there is a way to think in Christ. And part of that thinking, as he told them back in chapter 2, is about uh, embracing a life of humility, not being humiliated, but putting others' needs above yourself, uh, service and obedience. You don't think that way? God will make it clear to you. So verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Again, in context, I don't think Paul is saying, if we're paying attention to what's going on in Philippians 3, I don't think he's saying... Uh, There are different levels of maturity, so just don't regress. There's truth to that. That's a Christian idea that we're not all the same place. But here in Philippians 3, what we've attained, he's already said, what we've attained is that we've been taken hold of by Christ. What we've attained uh, is that uh, we are found in Christ. This is what Christ has done for us. What what we have, quote-unquote, attained, not by our own efforts, but by Christ, is that we have a righteousness from God. This is where we are because of what Christ has done, so let's act like it seems to be what he's saying. I think in the context, it's not, there are different levels, so let's live up to wherever we are on the Christian scale. But here in Philippians 3, this is where we are because of who Christ is. So let's act like it. Christ has conquered sin and death through his sacrificial love and obedience, so we respond by taking on that pattern of Christ-likeness. Verse 17, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. As Paul calls for them to imitate him, this isn't arrogance. This isn't, I've got it all together, as he's just said. But it is um, uh, this, it's picking up on how discipleship was a normal way of of coaching people in that day. Keep in mind, they didn't have New Testament. They couldn't be like, well, what do the Gospels say about this? This was before the Gospels and the letters of Paul were widely circulated. There might not even be maybe one gospel in circulation at this time. So we need people to look up to um, at this moment. Uh, And it might uh, suggest that those of us uh, who have uh, some knowledge of this should be in the practice of discipleship. So he says, imitate me. Uh, Verse 18, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Um, the commentators I've read think that Paul is not speaking here of um, outsiders, but people who are Christians uh, who have rejected the cross of Christ. Uh, because he uses similar language in Acts about being in tears about Christians who have kind of turned away. If they're correct, uh, what Paul is saying his, here is that there are people who are claiming to be Christians uh, but are not taking up their cross. Paul says, that's a problem. Um, now, as we understand taking up the cross, notice he's, 
given us several patterns of what that looks like. It's not where I've got to find a way to be crucified. Um, we can look at people like Timothy and how he puts others' needs above himself. We look at people like Epaphroditus or at Paul. Uh, Jesus' own example. What this means is, is you pursue service and obedience and humility. Um, so it's not a literalistic reading, but it's still nonetheless, part of being a Christian uh, is, is seeing that the cross is not only how Jesus overcame, but it also in some sense marks our lives. And so we don't like, I mean, I don't like that. Um, but but uh, if we believe this is how Jesus overcame, and as he's going to say, as we are conformed to Christ, we're going to be conformed to his resurrected life as well. So if we keep going, 19, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So here is that telos language again. Uh, the telos, uh, instead of being resurrection and conformity with Christ, as we've just seen, their telos is destruction. He doesn't um, elaborate on what destruction means. But it would seem to be different from, uh, as we get in verse 21, uh, resurrected bodies. They're not going to have that eternal kind of life. If, if what we're looking for is, um, is knowing Christ, the opposite of that, destruction, would be uh, apart from the life of Christ. Their God is their stomach. Uh, here, stomach might mean something like their cravings or their impulses. So it's not... Jesus, who is their God, their Father, who is God, but their cravings and impulses are their God. And so they take glory not in God, as we learn uh, that Jesus does in chapter 2, but their glory is in their shame. I was thinking this week as I read that Hugh Hefner died uh, of someone whose glory is in his shame. All right? He was, you know, felt glory about kind of sticking it to that that kind of uptight sexual morality uh, in his culture. Uh, you know, he is going to liberate uh, or, you know, be this kind of front runner and liberating um, people from these unhealthy constraints, quote unquote, unhealthy, glorying in his shame, not realizing that his liberation is just greater bondage, right? He's not making sex something that is, uh, is better but worse. He's not helping women feel more liberated but helping them be more objectified. He's not making sex something that brings people closer together uh, but instead making sex something that's even more isolating. Um, that sex is not this place where we can practice the kind of humble service where we give ourselves to one another but sex becomes a place where we seek to take from one another. Uh, and so here is one who is gloried in his shame um, and uh, in a major way, um, in a very upfront way. And uh, we are called to be those uh, who glory in God and in His way and in His cross-bearing. And they have a, uh, a worldly or an earthly, here's our language, freneo, a way of seeing things. We don't need to hear this as something is wrong with caring about what is physical, earthly in that sense. The world was made good, God's going to redeem the world. But earthly here is contrasted uh, with what we get in verse 20, uh, heavenly, where God dwells. They are narrow-minded. They're only thinking about their stomach, their impulses, their cravings, and not about God's way of being and seeing the world. But 20, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. This is great language here. Uh, so here Paul's speaking to, uh, to people in Philippi, 
people who have Roman citizenship. What it means to say, I'm a citizen of Rome, is not, when I die, I go to Rome. So when Paul says, your citizenship is in heaven, is not his way of saying, when you die, you go to heaven. That's true, but that's not the point of citizenship language. It's, your values and allegiance is with heaven. To say your, elite, your citizenship is with Rome is to say, here's where I put my values and my allegiance. This is what defines uh, how I view the world, or how I view myself. To say our citizenship is in heaven is to say, this is where my value and allegiance is. Uh, so this is, this is strong language in a place like Philippi. This is also Jewish language. So an ancient Jewish writer named Philo uses the language of citizenship uh, in the way First Peter does. We're sojourners. We're aliens. We have a different citizenship than living in the kind of uh, Jewish diaspora. Uh, we should stand out as citizens of a different country. And instead of Caesar as our Lord and Savior, very common titles for Caesar, look who he says is our Lord, we eagerly await a Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. We don't look to Caesar uh, to establish our values. It is not Caesar who has overcome, it is Jesus who has overcome. And it is the Christ. So verse 21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious bodies. Uh, so we follow, Paul calls us to follow the pattern of Jesus' life, service, humility, obedience. And then we will also follow his pattern. If we follow his pattern in this life, uh, we follow his pattern in the next life, this pattern of being raised in glory. Uh, and then there's, there's a lot of, of fun parallel language here. Uh, our humble bodies now uh, it has the same language of, his, of how Jesus humbled himself by becoming human. Um, uh, as, as we will become like him, uh, we are reminded of how he was, same language here, like a servant and like God. So he is our pattern uh, that we are to follow. And we can trust him because he has been raised and all things have been placed under his control. And so, I'm closing here, and then I'll hand it over to Hilton for his final thoughts. Uh, we look forward to transformed and glorious bodies. Um, these resurrected bodies will be physical like Jesus's. Remember, he was able to eat. He was able to be touched. But it's greater than our current physical bodies because his body ascended into heaven. His body is made to dwell forever apart from sickness and death, and death, and that is what we look forward to. Those bodies of glory as opposed to those who glory, same word, in their shame. Just a final comment or two. Back to that language of Judaizing guys who are going to come around and try to make you not only be a Christian but add a Jewish touch. So much of the focus was on the male on the Jewish plan, the circumcision. And yet he says, we are the circumcised, the ones who are in Christ. And remember the first the first person we, we know of that he encountered when he came to Philippi was Lydia, a woman. So now, we don't want to go back to the old. We, we want to keep what we have in Christ. We, we all, women, men, all alike, uh, have equal roles in Jesus. If you remember back to the old uh, series Downton Abbey, uh, what happened to the, to, to the what was going to happen to the estate? He had nothing but daughters. He had to search for a distant cousin who was a male who was going to inherit the whole estate because of the status of women in that time. We've been liberated from that now in Jesus. We all have equal access. We don't want to go back to that.
And these new bodies, I know you had a knee, knee done this week. Yet you're here. You're walking around, but you've got a sore knee. Uh, all of us have got arthritis. Have I told you about my arthritic bump? It hurts like the dickens. I, I'm looking forward to something that doesn't hurt all the time. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll have that when we get those resurrected bodies. Okay, next week we'll wind up Philippians, right? Yeah. And uh, keep